Hey everyone, it's me, Sean Capri, and welcome to episode 51 of We the GamerCast. It's hosted by WeTheNerdy.com, and it publishes on iTunes and Google Play every Monday. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for subscribing and being here, and just all the support you guys are giving is, I just really appreciate it. And if I sound a little off, I really am sorry, I am... Uh, Fighting a bit of a flu or fever or something. I, I'm not. I'm not quite right. I, even as I'm, I'm kind of dizzy, as I yell all this stuff out. So stick with me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna cut a couple of things. But before I get into it, if in case you're new, I want to let you know that here's the deal. Every week on We the Gamer Cast, I have sweet hangs with a stranger from the internet, and we talk about video games. And of course, if you want to be part of the show, tweet at me at Sean Capri. It's Sean like Connery Capri, like the pants. And we're just gonna keep things moving. I did. I tweeted out something on Friday for anybody who follows me on the Twitter uh, to send in your questions, and you're gonna win a game. And uh, I do want to get to those questions, but I'm going to leave them till next week. I'm doing. I'm actually recording this on the Monday that it's going to go. I'm going to actually post this in just a second after I stitch this together. Just a little pull the curtain back. Let you guys know how this all works. Um, but I do want to get to the questions. They're really great questions, and uh, I do have a game to give away: Tokyo Twilight Ghost Hunters. Uh, one of you will be winning that one. I'm going to leave it till next week if that's okay. I also have another one. If any of you guys have a 3DS, I've got a game called Ninja Yuzimagi. I really should have sounded that out before I actually just said that out into the internet. Uh, so if you recognize that game, I have a code for it to give away. So we're going to do something else. So next week, we're going to give away two games. And then next week, I'm going to announce another giveaway for uh, for Xbox players. So if you guys like this episode with Jules, and I promise I'm not trying to like kind of bait you into listening to one more episode if this is your first. I really just I really just feel like crap. <laughs> uh, so I just and and I I want to give those questions my all. Um, so I'll just kind of get through this. We'll get into my chat with Jules in just a second. I want to let you guys know that uh, I am continuing to play Forza Horizon 3. My review, of course, is up on WeTheNerdy.com. Um, 10 out of 10. This this is a strong contender for my game of the year. Best racing game I think I've ever played. At least at least the most fun racing game I've ever played. I'm not sure technically how uh, how it stands up. Maybe maybe Forza Motorsport 6 is is better on a technical level, but... My God, this this Forza Horizon Three. I think some of you since last week have picked it up, and I'm I'm loving hearing <laughs> all of your amazing stories. It's great to see. Uh, I think Josh Stapleton, you're you're sending out videos of letting the kids play and smashing into trees and having some nightmares about kids of the future. Um, yeah, so that's awesome. I'm loving that that Forza Horizon. It, it seems to be a huge success, and that that's very encouraging. And then also just letting you know that I'm playing um, through my backlog here, playing Far Cry Primal. This is a game I got for my birthday a couple of months ago, and I don't know. It just it seems like these last couple of months, all I've wanted to do is just. It sounds so cliche, but I just want to get lost in a world. I, I like all. There's really nothing to Far Cry Primal. Other than collecting stuff, it's just a whole bunch of nonsense. But I'm having a good time with it. I I, I kind of wish there was a bit more of a story to it. Um, but all all I, all I know is that I hate the enemy, 
as primal as that is whenever I see one of them, like I want to kill those guys and I want my, my little tribe to thrive and succeed. There's a whole bunch of craziness that's happening. So I'm having a good time with it, but honestly it's like until something better comes along or like, I feel like I could be pulled away from this very, very easily, but nonetheless, good times with Far Cry Primal. Um, I'm actually going to be picking up No Man's Sky from the library in a couple of days here, which I feel like that game, uh, it's, it's been getting a lot of bad press, but I want to, I want to try this out for myself and I'm too cheap to buy it. So why not go to the library? They've, I, I may even be getting a book. They may have actually tricked me this time. They, they fool me in and they lure me in with, uh, with video games. They're like, Oh, by the way, we've got books. And then for the longest time I've been like, I'm not taking your books, but, uh, I think, think I might be. If you guys have been listening, last week, Chelsea, my wife, and I announced that we will be having a baby in April, so I figure I might want to study up on that. I'm actually going to be picking up a book kind of about, kind of like what to expect when you're expecting sort of deal. So I don't know. What is happening to me? Let's let's get into it. I'm going to, we'll be back next week for a little bit more ridiculousness and some giveaways, of course, but I want to get into uh, my chat with Jules Watchem. Of course, you know him from formerly of Renegade Kid, now a Tui. Uh, Jules and I virtually met on If We Ran Nintendo with Bobby Pauls a little while ago, and I was just, I, got, I developed a bit of a man crush. I, I, I don't know how else to put it. So I wanted to basically sit down, have a little coffee with him, and, uh, and pick his brain about a couple of things. So I really hope you guys like this chat. Here we go. Jules, watch them. So I do you look older or younger than 42? And there is a wrong answer to that question. I think you look exactly 42. I'll take it. I, like... Take it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll take that. It's funny because I Are look I, almost identical to when I was, yeah, two kiddos. I look almost identical to what I did when, in my 20s. Mm-hmm. But obviously yeah, now I have the gray. So yeah, is this It's the good brown. kind of gray. Like you've got like the mix going where it's all yeah. good. Yeah, totally. Totally. How old are you? I am we 32. I'm 32. There we go. Very nice. We excellent number. a decade number. in between us. Yeah, it's not it's too bad. Number. I kind of like odd years for some reason. I liked 29. Really? I liked 31. Yeah. I just right. turned 32. I'm not so sure is your how... favorite number an odd number? <clears throat> I guess so. Seven, which is my birth mm-hmm. month. Like that kind of works. Yeah. yeah I don't it's a very, know. very mystical number, number seven. Is it? As I'm sure you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything. About... It's just because my birthday's in July and... When I was oh, choosing a good, like a, a, soccer, a soccer jersey, I had to be number seven because that's how that worked out. It's a good reason. I guess so. Pick that number. Yeah. I, I don't mean, have any. My lucky number is four, but I have no good reason for why. My brother's favorite number is four, and I've always asked him what the heck that's all about. I like that it's even. You know, it's, it's, I, I do like even numbers. Mm-hmm. I like that if you look at a four on a dice, it's one, 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 one. I like the ah. symmetry of that. and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of good reasons to like the number four. Are you throwing four. dice around often? Are you gambler, Jules? No, right. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, for entertainment, yeah. but not not in a sad way. No, <laughs> <laughs> you're not like yeah. putting a Tui's future on. Uh, oh God, on red no. or black? That would be very scary. What was it like? I, when... I like risk, but more like calculated risk. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the game risk, like the game of like the like. The I haven't played game. that for a long time. There's like every iteration. You got to get. Um, you got to get a game. On their mutant muds risk of some sort. There's always yeah, like, some a, sort of weird. There's like yep. a Starcraft. I know Mass some Effect weird risk. twist in that where you're like, really? Yeah, that's the future of a Tui. 
Yeah, and that reminds me, I got the uh, the Star Wars Monopoly. Nice. I have to think because when you play it, you're like, "This isn't Monopoly." Was it Monopoly? I think it's pretending to be Monopoly. Yeah, no, not even close. <laughs> How did it's they change awful. it? It's the rules are so bad. It's such a badly designed game. It's so bad. We played it as a family. So bad. Everyone hated it. Like, it wasn't just me, the game's done. Everyone's like, this makes no sense. It's, it's like, so this dumb. is Monopoly, I get it. But, like, what did you go back in and put in it's CGI like they, for no good reason? The rules, oh, it, so it's it's teams. So it's dark side versus light side or rebels versus whatevers. Yeah. And it's, it, so, and the characters they chose are, so it's supposed to be Force Awakens, I think, or something. I don't oh, know what new. the brand is. Yeah, relatively, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I got it like this year or last year, yeah. And... Let me think now. The characters, gosh, what are they? Like, Ray, I don't think is in it, but it is called Force Awakens. That makes sense. Oh, so uh, Finn is in it. Great. That's awesome. But not Ray. That makes no sense. So I think, let me think. I think it's Finn, Darth Vader, Luke from Return of the Jedi. Random. <laughs> okay. That guy. Yeah, let's put him in there. And who was the other guy? Probably a robot. I can't even remember. Some other random Star Wars character. It was like such a weird And no BB-8 to be found. Like the easiest that you got it. Like that'll sell a million copies. How amazing would that be, right? Yeah. Yeah. All they needed was freaking Ray BB-8 on the good side and uh, Kylo. Oh, Kylo. Kylo. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. That's so weird that Darth Vader's in there too. I know. It's Kylo and Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker and uh, and Finn, I think. So this cannot (laughs) be canon. So bad. Well, they just rushed it out, and then that's, that was one of the mm. games that they apologized about that Ray wasn't in it, and later, I think, released a version with her in it, or I don't know, some stupid band aid. It was like you guys messed up so bad. You can just tell that they're like, "Oh my gosh, Force Awakens is coming out, and we just got the license, so let's get a game out." Yeah, you crap it out. Good job. All right, let's go. You could tell they turned it around in weeks. It was mm-hmm. like a shoddy, shoddy uh, production. It seemed like they turned out the movie pretty quickly as well. Like, when you really think about it, they kind of announced that they had that one photo of everybody yeah, in that room. So. And then, like, next thing we know, we had the movie. I love that movie. Me Did too. Guess, yeah, I thought it was, I was, it was everything I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Actually, and more. I, actually, you know, it exceeded my expectations. It was. Uh, after, the, after the, you know, the prequels that he created, that George created, my expectations were pretty. Bars down here, man. You know, Yeah. <laughs> So I was very pleasantly surprised by that movie. I was, it was really good. It seemed like it, like I was just so wowed the whole time that I actually it didn't occur to me until well after that that it was basically episode four over again. Like you, me too. like you started seeing like those, until later. yeah, like yeah. all the you yeah. know orphan person on a desert yeah. planet or whatever. And they start to really nail down those beats. I'm like, oh yeah, that is kind of the same. And I didn't even care. I was just I don't care. I see that as a poetic reflection. Mm-hmm. I'd rather that <laughs> more, than... more than a cop out. I would just be like, you know, that's actually, you know, uh, history repeats itself. You know, mm-hmm. that's my fanboy uh, justification for that. I was okay with that. You know, yeah. like it's many, many generations later, and history repeats itself. There's a, there's a, there's a poetry to that. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. Hmm. Would you ever make a game like based on a license or anything like that? Or you just steer clear or something like that? I would prefer not to. Yeah. But. The right situation, yeah, I'd I'd get really excited about it. But no, I really have been very fortunate. It's funny because we started running a kid um, in Purdue Dementium and we expected that people might be like, yeah, great, those those guys can make games, cool, let's give them a SpongeBob license or whatever. And I was more than happy to dive into that because that's what everyone was doing and 
that's just the way it was. Um, dogs barking at something random for some that's reason. Right. And I got four of them downstairs, so um, we're dog sitting. And uh, I have to get my thought back now. Yeah, and weirdly enough, that never happened. You know, we we, we moved on to Moon after that, then yep. Dimension Two. Uh, we even were pitching, you know, multiple things to Activision, Disney, you name it. All these different brand ideas. Uh, Crash Bandicoot, we did a pitch for that. Batman, we did lots of different oh, pitches wow. for all kinds of games. Even did playable demos and all kinds of stuff. What was the Crash um, game? It was Crash Landed. So Activision were doing a re- well, reboot, whatever, whatever it was the called. The word didn't even exist um, probably back then. And they were doing, it must have been, I imagine it must have been PS2 maybe ps3 but probably ps2 um so they had a console team doing the big version and it was neat it was more it was more of an adventure game more like a mario type thing where it's pre-roaming kind of level type stuff it wasn't just a a channeled you know thing like the original crash and uh, it was looking beautiful i loved the art style it had a really nice nice kind of different slight tinge to it. it looked really good and we were pitching to do the ds version and we did a playable demo of a third person, you know, crash running around. And it looked fantastic. We yeah. spent a lot of effort on when you pick up the little <clears throat> fruits from the level, they kind of flew up to the corner and then kind of changed the little icon just like the original game did. Mm-hmm. We took the same sound effects from that. We made it really feel like it. And it was beautiful. I, I was really proud of it. We did it in like three weeks or something crazy. Right. The artists were amazing. They did an amazing job of the animations. And, you know, Crash would even look around and look at the camera and wave and stuff when you didn't do anything. It was really neat. Um, but they ended up going with a different team um, because they had experience doing racing games and something else. And that was kind of their... their their goals in the future to have you know do a bunch of different stuff but mm. everything was canned in the end anyway so nothing happened unfortunately but at that but, stage um, when you're making that game like how are you are you basically mimicking based on your experience with other crash games like you don't really have access to like i'm sure there's a crash animation that they have like that's probably all yeah all set and done like how yeah, are you basically they didn't give take... us much okay. um they just gave us some concept art from the the console game that they were working on mm-hmm. um and uh, I think we just went from there. I mean, I don't know if they even requested a playable demo. We just thought we'd try and impress them by it. doing that because um, it'd be fun anyway. And it also kind of helped push our technology along. Okay. I think prior to that, we had done uh, a Batman demo for the Batman Beyond game that oh. ended up being done by uh, Way Forward, who did the 2D side scrolling one, which was a fabulous game. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Um, and then Crash was then the the very first third person demo we did on DS was actually we took Dementium Two and made it third person so it was almost like a Silent Hill type of thing walking around um, just for fun that didn't go anywhere then we did Batman that didn't go anywhere then we did the Crash demo that didn't go anywhere so we kept on <laughs> doing these demos but always advancing our technology because it forced mm-hmm. us to add new things to realize the demo that that we were shooting for so it was neat I and mean, none of them paid off directly but indirectly it was super fun um, kind of like but, space uh, technology. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, but you know, I mean, get back to your original question. I mean, uh, so, yeah, we, we're always prepared to do licensed games, mm. but uh, we never really did any. Actually, we did Top Secret. Now that Renegade Kid has unfortunately uh, gone to rest, uh, we actually did do um, a Hello Kitty game, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> your passion <Exclusive>. project. <laughs> yeah, that was a total passion project right there. No, I mean, you know, to make some money. I mean, just mm-hmm. to keep, get some cash, keep the keep the bills getting paid. We did um, uh, a couple of Hello Kitty games, one on the 3DS and one on the Wii U, mm-hmm. funnily enough. And uh, they were fine. 
<laughs> but they reminded me that yeah, it's what so were you much hoping to achieve? Like other than like it was just the money, bills. nothing. Like that's just it. Money. Like you weren't. There was nothing more involved. It was a completely soulless enterprise. Uh, yeah, no, nothing. Does it feel at all like prostitution? Do you want to comment on that? <laughs> uh, yes, it does feel at all feels like that. If like, I not that I know what that feels you'd like. You'd imagine, it, yeah. What would imagine. imagine it would feel like? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, the, it, it, it's softened by the people at San Rio are awesome. You know, so you, you deal with them. I went out there to meet them in person. You talk to them on the phone, Skype calls, whatever, and they were right. great people. So that helps it. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you're doing a game that, let's face it, you don't really care about right. um, because it pays the bills and you need to get it done. But you know, your professional um, uh, moral standards kick in, and you try and do the best job you can. But they usually pay you not enough money and give you not enough time, and also loads of hoops to jump through legality you know license wise or whatever mm-hmm. so everything becomes 10 times more difficult and you have to bake that into the schedule because it's everything's just more difficult um so how, how uh, much of that yeah. is it like <clears throat> bakes into your decision to go completely independent not only just as um not trying to sell the game to a publisher but creating the characters from scratch not having to really owe anything to anyone you can just do whatever the heck you guys want yeah no that's beautiful so like yeah, is I mean, that kind yeah. of like a big part of it or is like small like, where does that kind of play into it? For me, it's, it's a big part. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how amazing is that? You know, like, I mean, we were lucky enough with Dementium to kind of make something that, that got noticed, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Moon, you know, I mean, ATV to a lesser degree because it's just more of that standard kind of game, not really character driven. Um, you know, and again, especially with MUDs and, and Zeo Drift and stuff like that, uh, more so MUDs, I think, than Zeo, just because visually, you know, Zeo Drifter looks essentially like a, 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 a twist on Metroid pretty much. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, that's an amazing opportunity to try and create something from scratch. But they, it's just that balance though, right? You create your own thing. There's going to be a much smaller audience that actually care about it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do a big license, you automatically have a massive audience that care about it. Now it's your job to mess it up, you know, or make a great job <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Exactly. So yeah. it's a very different thing, but I don't feel much uh, uh, fulfillment from, you know, doing a great job of someone else's licensed game. To me, that's just not a desire I have, you know? It's like, I don't know. I just don't... You know, licensed games have always just been historically fairly awful. And, you know, there's only been a few on the radar that have been like, wow, that was actually good. Shocker. Yeah, the exception Um, to the rule. Yeah, definitely. And it's like, um, you know, I'd rather put the effort into... If I'm going to put the effort into making an awesome licensed game, I might as well just make my own game and and fully have control and... Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, that goes hand in hand in it when you have control of it because it's an original game it's just so much more fun and, and you can be much more effective mm-hmm. um, because you're making a game and if you're making let's say Batman <clears throat> wow especially Batman um, because I've worked on a few Batman games that are clean and stuff like that where you know they're very particular about what Batman can do what he can't do and all the rest right. of it oh my gosh so um yeah, I mean, you're, you're very limited. And it's sometimes silly things. I can't even think of an example, but sometimes it's very silly things. Like, oh, no, he wouldn't do that. You can't do that. And it's like, oh, and you, oh, that's totally normal. Weird. I, wow, I wouldn't have thought I couldn't do that. Okay. So you're really limited by what they want their character to do. So when you have the freedom to, wow, it's my character and I can do anything I want with him, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Because a lot of times with game development, you know, any, or anything creative you do, you may have this wild plan and awesome vision, but you get partway through it and go ah oh, that didn't quite work out the way i wanted to we need to change everything right because of this and to have the freedom to do that is instrumental in actually getting a game done so that's why that's another factor i think to why licensed games um 
takes so long to 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 finish and how many have so many people involved and why unfortunately something has got to give right it's either time it's budget or it's the game right and usually, usually it's the game mm-hmm. that gives because you know, the time's not going to change the budget's not going to change yeah the game has to change and usually not for the better unfortunately so that's why licensed games usually suck because they're a real pain in the ass to make and there's no give and you've got everyone pulling on it and mm-hmm. no one really cares but everyone really cares and it's just like oh my god yeah What's your, what's your take on sort of like the opposite end of that? So if like you talk about the challenges when <clears throat> time is a constraint, but what if time isn't a constraint? We see games now that are going on a decade long in development, but like that's also sort of a bit of a worry. Is this like you mean like you mean like astronauts? So that's what you're getting at. Isn't it? <laughs> no, I was talking about Final <laughs> Fantasy 15, The Last Guardian. I'll talk about other stuff. Um, right? Like, is that? Is that something yeah, like to be worried Garden. about? The last, yeah. Like, Last Guardian is kind of a joke at this point. Where It like, really depends on the reasoning, you know? Sure. Um, I don't know much of the history on Last Guardian or why it's taking so long, if it's personal team issues, if it's technology, or what. I, I don't know anything about... I mean, I know what the game is, but I don't know what problems they've run into, because it has mm-hmm. been, like, 10 years, right? Literally, yep. actually. Mm-hmm. More, maybe. Yep. At this point. <laughs> they delayed it again. Oh, that has to have been the worst, hardest decision to oh be. Like gosh. they announce it, they finally announce a date, and then they have to change it again. I know. I cannot imagine being the people that are like, "Oh my god, we have to change it again, don't we?" You Holy just do it like a bandaid. Just, crap. just rip just, it off. Just get it done. Get the announcement out there. Like back you to write work. You write the press release. Get it out. Just yeah. get it out. What a nightmare. Would you um, benefit, like personally? Then I guess we'll go back internal. Like what? Would you benefit from a tenure? Like, would you be able to create the great, like, or is there something about the balance of having a bit of a constraint and just making sure that, like, maybe there's some some value or benefit to crunch time or that you have to make sure you get it out? Yeah, I think pressure is is good a lot of times. I really do. Um, We've certainly... That's all we've known. That's all yeah, I've yeah. ever known. I've <laughs> well, that's why, that's why I posed the question. Had... Would you benefit? Like, would you almost prefer to have more time? If you were funded, you didn't have to worry about keeping the lights on or anything like that or feeding right. the kids. Um, yeah. Is 10 years the answer or is that actually detrimental at some point? Um, a mixture of the two, for sure. sure. No, no, no. I think 10 years is absolutely detrimental. I think yeah. that's a nightmare. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um yeah, no, that's just miserable. I mean, ten years on anything is, in, as far as a creative project, a good portion oh, like, of your life. <laughs> oh, that's just miserable. No, that's that's rough. No, I mean, for mm-hmm. me personally, uh, somewhere in between. Um, right. You know, unfortunately, a lot. You know, part of the reason that Renegade Kid ended was due to the financial pressures and always chasing this and that to make things ends meet. And unfortunately, it just made sense for Greg and I to be like, you know what, let's, you know, it's been good, so let's just kind of do it now. We both have kind of things we want to pursue anyway, so yeah. let's just kind of end it now, nice and amicably. You know, still good buds, but logically, practically, let's do this and then start anew, uh, which is a difficult decision to make. But uh, but a lot of it was, you know, yeah, we're always worried about um, paying the bills. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in between, where you still have that pressure, where you still need to make a game within a reasonable amount of time, obviously make it great so it can sell lots of copies and make its money back because the money's coming from somewhere to pay for that game right. to get made. Um, so this pressure is always good in some degree. I think people get lazy um, or lose uh, focus if they don't have um, mm. any pressure. Because um, why ever finish? You have no pressure. Then why? What's what's the pressure? Totally. <laughs> what's the point? What are you even doing? You just know, keeping just the lights on. Drawing I guess. circles in a notepad. Um, yeah. Well, true. Is that you is know, that the start of your creative process? Just writing circles on the notepad. Like, oh wait a minute, that's that's our guy. That's our mutant modes guy. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. That's what I did at school all the time was doodling in my notepad. So that, that definitely 
unbeknownst to me, I think led to my creative or, or was the beginning of me being creative, I guess, was like drawing just random, terrible things, not terrible things, but terrible drawings in retrospect. Where did you um, but, learn that from? Or did you just like find yourself drawing? Just or was like a, like a couple yeah. of friends around you? Just like you guys would um, all kind of do it? There was a few friends. I mean, I, not that we would do it together, but there, I did have a few friends that were artsy as well. And they would right. you know, be really good at drawing or they'd try and copy something else. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I wish I could do that. And then you start to try and draw. And not necessarily competitive, just like, wow, that's really cool. I wish I could do that. Yeah. And then you try and do that and go, wow, I can't do that. But I'm going to keep on trying to do that. Um, so I had, what kind I of stuff are you drawing? Oh, just cartoons, just characters. Yeah. Like other, the characters that exist kind of thing? Actually, a lot of times our own characters. You know, we'd cool. have our own silly characters that we'd kind of create. Um, and everyone kind of <laughs> had a different style just naturally, which was really neat. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, just for the fun of it, you know, and we just create silly things. And, um, yeah, just creative for creative sake. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. And I see that uh, with my boys now, especially my oldest oh, son. He's awesome. really... Uh, drawing these things and showing me, I'm like, that's. I mean, I, and I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> Where yeah. did that come from? And it's weird because I've totally gone through that, and people say that to me about stuff. But I'm like, and now I'm that person. Like, wow, that's so cool. Where did that come from? Where that looks so good. Uh, it's nice to see that progression in in, in creative uh, um, learning. You know mm-hmm. how the progression of like you know the first drawing compared to now kind of thing. Just the, the you know how much better they are in draftsmanship quality and just everything this sense of um, what they're doing. It's, it's neat. But the, yeah, creativity is, a, is an awesome thing. Um, so I think getting back, I guess, to creating original games, that's what makes it so much fun, you know? Yeah. Versus making you know, By the way, you never game. have to worry about looping it back. I'll, I'll, we can go wherever you yeah. want. It doesn't, that doesn't matter at all. I'm like, I could go right. off in like five yeah. different, based on what you just I'm, said, I could go off I'm on. I'm trying to be too efficient. I should, a, uh, turn that off. Just to put a bow on this question that shot, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm, I can't believe you remember that I asked that question. That puppy is wrapped <laughs> up. Next. <laughs> Next question, Sean. <laughs> like, okay, I, I could go in two different. I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose the kids for now. I'm gonna go back to you growing up. But like, what, what's the creative environment like at home for your kids? Is there, are there? I, I can only imagine you've got like easels and canvases and just like paint splattered everywhere. But like. That's, ah, a, that's extreme that, example. That's but a what? very romantic uh, picture you have. And yeah. yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Great wax crayons uh, and markers everywhere. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I'm very digital. I mean, I, I do mm. like to draw with pen, but and, and I do do that. But it is sometimes more comfortable. Where I'm, I do everything mainly digital, whether it be pixel pushing or in Photoshop. Um, but uh, sometimes... You know, it's just more expressive with a pen in your hand. It, you know, it, not even pencil for me. It's just a pen in the hand, not even a, a, a particularly good notepad. It's just a tiny little notepad I have that mm-hmm. that exists and it's in front of me. It has a lot of pages in it. So, I, and it's tiny. It's completely impractical, actually. But it, it fits in my desk amongst all the crap that's around. And I have this really nice pen. Actually, I do like the pen. It's very, <laughs> very smooth. It's not a very fancy pen. Mm-hmm. It's just really smooth. I don't know where the hell I got it from. Nice little when dollar I, store pen. It's just a simple pen. But, you know, I, I, I do like that expression. But, you know, we have, you know, all the coloring pencils, the crayons, the colored paper. I mean, I, I have to give credit to my wife, though, for getting all of that because a lot of that is school supplies versus right. getting crafty stuff for home because my wife is creative as well. She actually writes books yeah. um, but is all, also creative. But, um, I mean, artistically as well. Um, but, uh, no, a lot of time, yeah, so we do have stuff like that. But the house isn't full of... We are artists, no. kind of vibe. None of <laughs> you that. You walk no. in and you hand out the berets, and everybody. Yeah, their exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 fairly typical, I suppose, as far as you know. There's iPads and iPhones, and there's laptops, and you know all that kind of stuff around. Xboxes, 
Nintendos, all the rest of it, 3DSs. Right now I have finally managed to get them hooked on a 3DS game. Because the yes. longest time, as with most kids now, it's iPad, iPhone, right? And they it's hard for us traditionalists that are like, dude, the 3DS is such a gateway to awesome. Yeah. You have no idea, <laughs> you know? It's like, so, you know, there are buttons and stuff mm-hmm. that you can use, and it's so much better than a touchscreen for those types of adventures. That, you and know, the can't more really you have. push it, the more they'll rebel and go to the worse off thing. Yeah, that's, so that's I'm, I, all... I just backed off. But thanks to Pokemon Go, which was on the mobile, they're like they really got into that, which is, and it's a great game. I give it mm-hmm. complete props. I love that game. I really enjoyed it. I went to Seattle recently. Holy crap! They have a lot of Pokestops there. Wow. Oh yeah. In my <laughs> hotel room, sitting on my bed, two Pokestops. Oh, you don't even have to move. That's <laughs> the best Pokemon move. Go experience it's amazing. ever. But when you walk down the street, every block every, has at least two. It's anyway. Oh, that's perfect. Um, but anyway, that I think turned them on to mm-hmm. the idea of Pokemon being pretty cool. And I have you know loads of Pokemon games you know from. Game Boy to GBA to DS to 3DS, uh, mainly handheld. I don't think I have any. Con- I do have a weird console one, N64. What was it? I don't know. Some oh, shit. I don't I know. Ne- something I never played. Some Pikachu thing. I don't even know what the hell it is. Uh-huh. But um, anyway, but no. Finally, uh, so my oldest is playing Omega Ruby. Oh, awesome! And has got to the point where he's got every so gym proud. badge. I have never done that. Yeah, and he's flying around on that thing around the island, whatever the hell that is. I have never done that. And he's just like showing me, like, look. And I'm like, that's awesome. You basically <laughs> completed the game. And I have like, no idea how you did that. Super Amazing. proud dad moment. Yeah, I know. Incredible. So, um, what, anyway. What's, yeah. What sort of like stands out to you when you look at your kids and you're like, man, that is so different. It's just so opposite of how I grew up. Is it everything or is there anything in particular that you look at and go, this is completely different than, than how it's I just, was raised? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I mean, obviously I grew up with the retro and I love the retro stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I have plenty of choices to not play retro right now. Um, but I still have gravitate towards that because mm-hmm. I just love it. And they have very little interest in that. Yeah. You know, Does it look very... old to them? Like it's because it looks, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think. Well, and, and it's just not the new shiny stuff that all their friends are playing. You know, right. it's all, you know, Halo, Destiny, whatever, you know, yeah. you know, it's all that kind of stuff. That's the shiniest, newest, baddest, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, stuff. Um, so, and a lot of it's, you know, just the exposure. If they have kids at school that are talking about blah, they want to know more about blah. Yeah. And then you know, no, no one at school is talking about, you know, how cool uh, Demon's Crest was on the SNES. You know? uh, no one, no one's they don't even talking know. About that. That's what we talk about, <laughs> but they're not talking about that. Yeah. Um, but I, at an early age, though, I, and I have photo evidence of it as well, I did introduce them to the SNES, the N64. I had it on the nice big screen TVs. They weren't, you know, having to deal with some crappy little tube tv but yeah. so I, I did introduce them very early on to that and they're like yeah that's fine whatever but they, they they i think they could sense that dad's trying to push some crap on us right now mm. you know <laughs> trying you to smell like the desperation like please exactly. like what i like <laughs> oh, look at this game. exactly oh my gosh but um but now it's no so i'm super uh happy that that they that yeah they're naturally playing mm-hmm. you know 3ds stuff right now i'm like nice they so have that they do play my games, but they're not. They, I can tell they they don't dislike them. They just right. don't really care about. Do they them. know them as your games? Like they know yeah. that you made. Like they understand that whole oh, yeah. that whole thing. Yeah, there. I mean they're uh, eight and eleven, so yeah, they're yeah. fully aware of what's up. But yeah, no, they do, they don't. Dad's not cool. He, they don't care. Oh man, that's got to be tough. They, you got your little game critics right there in the house, uh, and so they're <laughs> growing up like immediately because you make games. You're surrounding them with um, you're fostering the creativity. You got the game environment around them, like. What is that like for you growing up? Is it, I, I assume the creativity aspect is there, but like where does games 
come in for you uh, in, the, in, the, in the homeland. Oh, in the homeland, in the motherland. No, that's <laughs> in the Russia. motherland. motherland. Is that Russia? Isn't I, I'm not sure. One, one of them is German, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I did too. I grew up. I grew up with computers. Yeah. Um, uh, my dad brought home a Spectrum. I think we chatted about this. Yep. On uh, on the show with Bobby. Some some of it's um, going to be a little bit repeat from if we were in. Yeah, no over. worries. For those who weren't there. Um, yeah, yeah, no, of course. Um, yeah. But that was a fantastic conversation we had over oh there. Oh my so gosh, so good. Going check that out um but uh no, yeah so my dad brought a spectrum 48k rubber keyboard home mm-hmm. and i specify the rubber keyboard because that was a wonderful unique quality of that <laughs> machine because <laughs> if you used it a lot and you kind of got sweaty fingers they came really slimy and slippery oh, disgusting. it was <laughs> really awful. nasty really nasty and it, and it was tiny it's a tiny little keyboard it was mm-hmm. pretty awesome though but uh, i had 48k of memory and and, and had a, a a cassette tape the games would come on cassettes. They have to mm-hmm. press the play button and go, do that thing and kind of send the God knows what to the computer and it would do its thing. And then the lines would bounce up and down on the screen and it may go and crash. And you have to do it all over again, rewind it and try it again. Oh my God. Um, so that was a fun experience, but, uh, yeah. but no, my, my dad brought that home. I was fascinated immediately. Of course. I must've been, I was pretty young. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know seven six i have no idea yeah pretty young um and uh i was like that's awesome so pretty, barely knowing how to write exactly probably yeah um but uh pretty quickly i somehow convinced them to get me one for christmas so yeah. i got my own i don't know how i Holy crap. That, right i don't know how i managed that but uh-huh. whatever and I got the upgraded one. I got the Spectrum Plus. I had a hard keyboard, and it was pretty swag at the time. I like that naming uh, convention. Yeah, right? Yeah, the original. <laughs> Very nice. Um, and that was great. I loved that. Um, games like Hungry Horace, Jet Set Willy, uh, Manic, uh, Manic Miner, Monty Mole. Just some – I mean, they're, they're part of me. Those games yeah. are, like, amazing. Uh, uh, Buggy Boy. I remember playing that with my dad. What's that was, Buggy I mean, Boy? It's just – it's like a it, – like the same perspective as like uh, uh, Outrun or whatever, but okay. you're on this uh, beach buggy. Yeah. And you go over, you know, and it has like somewhat has obstacles on the course and stuff you have to go around. I mean, if you looked at a video of a Spectrum version of that game now, I'm sure it would look really bad, like a bunch of boxes, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a couple of circles. If but like, in your mind, you oh, remember it like it's photorealistic. Going down yeah. the road, like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I remember playing that. Man. That was super fun. <laughs> um, but then that was the, how, it, how it began. And then mm-hmm. from the Spectrum to Commodore 64 to Atari ST to a Commodore Amiga, mm-hmm. all the way through the computers. Um, and uh, is your dad gaming with you all the whole, the whole way along? Um, or is this kind of like no, for no, you? No, it became, became more of a solo thing. I mean, it started off initially. He'd, he'd try and do a little bit of programming now and then. Right. Um, and stuff like that. So it definitely started off as us kind of doing that, which is really neat. Um, my brother had absolutely no interest in that. He's like, whatever, dudes. I don't think geek or nerd even existed right then. But that's yeah, he didn't he even thinking. know what to call you guys. No. <laughs> He's like, you guys are that, whatever that is. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm over here doing my army stuff. Um, so... Uh, um, yeah, I think from then I kind of went off on my own tangent, um, and, uh, and then my friends, of course, would get their Commodore 64, ST, Amiga, blah, whatever, and talk mm-hmm. about it at school. Um, so uh, yeah, so always always had computers around, you know, with with games, and um, but the, the difference was their keyboards, so you could actually get in there and kind of mess with it a little bit. Uh, I never really did any programming, but I did kind of hack a few things, would because you, you get these demos. 
these these groups, um, these hacking groups that would either just create these really cool demos with these cool, you know, shaded balls that would fly around the screen or whatever, just these cool things they would create. They would some cool music just to be like, hey, look what I'm doing on the Commodore 64 or the Amiga or whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes they would also hack a game. They'd, they'd crack a game where it'd be like the newest game from Big Mac Brothers, like Zenon 2 or whatever. And, um, you know, and you could get a cracked copy of that, you know, an illegal pirated copy of that. And it'd be cracked by a team called Cortex or some cool name like that. <laughs> um, and when you put the disc in and you copy the discs, um, their little thing would come up, you know, with a cool mm-hmm. text message, calling out some other hacking group saying yeah, how we did it first. All graphics. All that, yeah. These cool, you know, copper bars moving up and down. Anyway, so I got this thing that would <laughs> allow me to hack that, hack the hack, oh. where I could change the text into my text and save it back out so I could pretend I, I, I hacked it. So I, that's the only kind of technical programming stuff I would do. Um, mm. Real, just kind of really low level, but kind of meaningless, you know? Um, but that was fun. Uh, that was that was a nice sense of getting in there and, and, and putting my stamp on something in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really, and very technical, very neat. Uh, I've got, I would have no idea how to do it now. I don't even know what I'm even talking about, but it was fun at the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> were they, were things like more open back then? Like the, like maybe what we experience now, they're all more sealed. I don't know. Was it, was it more accessible just to go in and crack no. it? It was almost like, enter no, it, here. It was to, difficult. To, yeah. It was okay. difficult to do it. Um, but it was rampant. I mean, there, oh, was, yeah. a, there was a copy, uh, program on the Amiga called X copy. I mean, that yeah. was the standard, the de facto, awesome copier and they'd update it constantly and it could so that was a way you could just copy games and mm-hmm. what you would do would have a i mean i went to many copy parties which is terrible because i make games copy now, parties copy parties yep yep um, what, so it, i've heard people come on to, on here and they talk about land parties it's usually world of warcraft but you guys are creating your own little factories I'm you get well, and it's just for personal. I mean, no one's making any money out of it, you know. Sure. But you just because you can. Some people probably are actually, but we weren't anyway. But you know, you'd get together. <clears throat> everyone would bring their amigas over, and some mm-hmm. dude's house when their mums were downstairs doing whatever. And um, yeah, and everyone would, it would just everyone have their their blank three and a half inch floppy disks, you yeah. know, in their cases, <clears throat> and you'd see copy, you know, X copy running on everyone's machine, copying yeah. this, that, the other. Like, what games do you have? Oh, I don't have that awesome can i get that awesome and do you have anything you need awesome and you'd both be just copying everyone else's copies and <laughs> and that was just the way it was in the std amiga that's just the way it was um terrible really i mean that's why the machines probably didn't do as well as they probably should have it was at a it but, was at a like a, a very early state the whole gaming was, thing needed to proliferate yeah. a little bit as illegal as it was i mean it whatever it's fine yeah. um it was fun though it was part of the culture it was exciting yeah. at the time and uh, yeah, X-Copy was very much a part of the Amiga scene, big time. Oh, my God. Because it was neat. Cause you see there's a display where they'd have a box, <clears throat> a gridded box on one side of the screen, mm-hmm. and you'd see the little grids kind of fill up with little cool round circles. And you could tell a artist had really done the interface. It looked sweet. It was all yeah. shaded and cool looking. And then there's another one on the other side. So here's where it's reading from, and here's where it's writing to. Mm-hmm. So you could see if there's any bad sectors happening while it was doing the transfer, and if it was actually working properly. It was... Fascinating, very technical, Holy very interesting. Hell. But this was just something you could just get, yeah. and then you could run it, and you could, and you'd have your internal hard, uh, internal disk drive, your external disk drive, which is important. So it's reading from here and writing to there at the same time. So it sounds super high tech, but it, it was completely <laughs> accessible. I mean, you just buy a hard drive, get the X copy, and you're off. And how old are you at this time? Um, <clears throat> that must be. Um, sweaty teenagers in the room yeah there. early early teenagers probably okay yeah, and hadn't discovered deodorant yet no <laughs> barely needed it actually barely needed it oh okay so that okay yeah 
yeah. There probably was some older ones in the room that probably should have needed should have mm-hmm. needed it. But no, yeah, we're all pretty young. Yeah. There's there's something yeah. about just the picture that you just draw in my head of like that just seems like that's an indie team. That that's it. Like such yeah. the spirit is there of just. Super we fun. know that we can do this. We know that not really anybody's going to help us out here, but we're just going to make this thing happen. Yeah. And so is that kind of like the first signs or when did you maybe start to realize that, you know, combined with all the doodles in your, in your notebook, you're, you're technically savvy at least. And then you're going, well, I've, I've hacked a few ASCII text things or artwork and things like that. Right. Now I want to make a game. Is it, was it before you came to the States or before um, that? No, it was definitely in England. I mean, I had a program called Shoot 'em Up Construction Kit that was on the Commodore 64 ST and Amiga by Sensible Software. Mm-hmm. And that was a pretty bad, pretty awesome program where you could make your own shoot maps. You know, you could, you could draw your own artwork, set the scroll speed. You know, you could be a spaceship or a cowboy or whatever walking up the screen, destroying whatever's that are coming down. Right. You can draw the, the environment to be whatever you want it to be. So it's quite flexible. Um, so that was kind of really my first taste, I think, of making a game, um, like in a legit, like I can actually play it. Wow, this is actually not completely terrible kind of way. Um, <laughs> and then later got into, I think, uh, on the Amiga, there was Amos, which is Amiga. Oh, no, that was the operating system. I don't know. There was a, a game making package on the Amiga. I can't what it's called right now. Um, and uh, my friend kind of got into programming and I was kind of doing the artwork and the design and stuff. But we, so we, we attempted the beginning of making games quite often, but never really mm-hmm. went anywhere because life, you know. Right, um, of course. But uh, yeah, so we attempted to <clears throat> early on. And it's just like it always amazes me. There's no internet at this time and there's no game making schools for anybody to really go right. to. Like where uh, – it's the analogy I always bring up <clears throat> is I don't understand – when everybody had an NES and, and a game didn't really work, everybody's solution was to take the thing out and blow in it. But we, it's not like that was something yeah. that anybody really shared. It just seemed ubiquitous, ubiquitous with just the gaming culture. So I'm always curious just where things start, especially prior to a time where knowledge is just so widespread. Like I yeah, don't understand where you just well, – <clears throat> you yeah, have I mean, this think, group of people around you. It's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. I mean I think a lot of it is just, yeah, just friends of friends. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, there were, you know, there were video video game magazines, you know. Right, <clears throat> my throat oh, okay. is totally getting funny. And they would have a lot of information in them as well. Do um, you remember which which magazines you had growing up? Um, <clears throat> well, in the Spectrum, it was uh, actually the Commodore sixty four was ZZap sixty four. Nice. That was the sixty four magazine. What was the Spectrum one? What is, what oh, are these crash. things like? It was oh, crash. okay. All text kind of thing, or are they like, is this visually simulating, or is this no, the more like quite a, nice? Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. Um, <coughs> excuse me, no, they were designed quite nicely, yeah. And this was the precursor, and, and some of the I think original team members moved on to magazines like uh, Mean Machines and, and Computer and Video Games, CMBG, yeah, you know. Um, so it was, yeah, no, the magazine scene in, in Europe and uh, in England was really pretty awesome, mm-hmm. um. So, uh, yeah, no, I used to get a lot of those magazines and, you know, for the Amiga, ended up getting, um, uh, I guess there was Amiga Power. Um, great name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the One, um, which was a great one. And actually, weirdly enough, that's I actually ended up work, working there. That was my first legit job, was actually working at The One. Right. Which was really cool. Where you went um, in and demanded that they employ you. <clears throat> yes, I did. Yep. I put my foot, put my foot down. <laughs> As a 10 to 17-year-old and said, look, you must hire me. And they're like, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> as you asked, as you demanded, we will do it. 
Um, yeah, no, so yeah, it was a really good scene. It really was. Mm-hmm. In England, the, the whole computer scene, you know, mm-hmm. um, at the time they were called computer games, whereas now they're called video games. But then it was called computer games because right. they're on computers. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it was, yeah, it was a really cool scene. And it was, it was interesting. Like I say, it's pre-internet. So how did everyone get together and do this? But I guess just the hardware, you know, phone yeah. phone calls and and meeting up at school, after school, yeah. Just so totally emerged in the entire culture and just learning by osmosis yeah. almost. What yeah. what was writing for the one like? It was amazing. It was an yeah. ama- I was there for one year. It was an amazing experience. Um, Were you a good writer? No. No, I was an awful, <laughs> awful writer. No. No, seriously, that's not a joke. I was so bad. Yeah. Um, so bad. How did you keep the job? Like, it seems like... <clears throat> that well, I did <laughs> I, I, well, I, I was hired as a trainee st- staff writer, um, okay. so I wasn't hired as someone who actually knew what they were doing. So that that was that was helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I started off just organizing the uh, the photos, you know, because every screenshot was a photo at that time. Right. Um, that you would take in a dark room. So you'd be playing, you know, you'd play the game. Um, you'd either make the, the room super dark, or you'd put, you know, a, a black, you know, cloth over the monitor over the camera. And then take photos of it, so you get a, on a slow shutter speed. So you right. get a, all the light from the monitor just goes into the lens, and you capture a really nice screenshot. But the key was at that time you had to get demos from the get the developers that could pause without saying paused. Right. You know, you have, like let, let, allow us to pause the game at any moment, nice and crisp. We can take a nice photo of that. It was very important then because we had no capture kit. We had no way of capturing the digital imagery. It had to be a photo on the screen, mm-hmm. which is really awful really but anyway so <laughs> started off organizing all of the negatives as they were called you know negative the photo negative there were 20 right. negatives um and they were just a complete mess hundreds of them so my first job was organizing all of that into folders like here's all this games here's all this games and so on mm-hmm. were you um, familiar they, with photography at the time too <clears throat> no not at all no not at all just here's a camera and a dark room and go make this thing happen. yeah and it wasn't yeah i mean it was fairly simple really sure. it was like it's just I like mean, anything else it's just like making a game it's easy it's just yeah, yeah it's i just you did just, it you just push a button. You just point yeah, yeah. in the right direction and push a button. And then when you want to make, when you want to port, it's right, right click save as. Yeah, there's a different button. Exactly. Yeah, three, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, so then I did actually end up taking the photos and, and then continuing mm-hmm. to organize them. Went out and, and, and interviewed, you know, developers around the country. I, you know, traveled to them, uh, you know, via train and bus and so on. They didn't have a car. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, drink lots of beer with them as well, which was fantastic. Um, <laughs> lots of that in England, lots of beer drinking. Yeah. Um, no matter what your age is, as long as you look old enough, you're good to go. Because no one has an ID on them. Well, not that time anyway. No one carries ID. So as long as you look 18, because the drinking is, is 18 over there, as long as you look 18, you're good to go. Because if the cops come in and go, hey, he's like, well, he looks 18, and no one carries an ID. So you're like, what you know I? what? You're right. He does yeah, look 18. It's fair he, enough. Actually looks, he actually looks 19. Yeah. He I'm picturing you as a 13 year old with the same goatee. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> kind of like 42. You get these, you get these preteens just like coloring in some like some gray, just like yeah. As soon as you get any pepper. stubble coming in, they're like yes. Any facial hair coming in, ID. that's the win right there. That yeah. is the, exactly that's the fake ID. Yeah. Um, so how long? But no, were you it, there? it was a fantastic year. Just one year. One year. Uh, yeah. It was a really good time. The really good year. people. Yeah, the one or the one. It was oh, really really good. And that and I was working on my artwork during that period. And that's what led then to my my next job as an artist uh, on games. So yep. yeah, it was, a, it was definitely a, an instrumental step, you know, along the along the path. And where along the path do you meet the one? Where do you meet your wife? Oh, <laughs> I was like, um, <laughs> wait a bit. Uh, it, <laughs> it was in uh, Austin, where I am now, uh, while I was working oh, okay. at Iguana. 
Okay. So it was in 96. Yeah. So it was quite a while ago. Uh, 20 years ago, in fact. Um, Is today your anniversary? No. No. Incredible. <laughs> that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. No. So you moved um, over. Okay, so I'm going to back up before, now that I know that that happened then. When you moved over, because I wanted to ask you about sort of like the immigrant story, basically. Just like up, like packing up and just taking off. It was family. highly illegal. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you swam over. Yeah, swam over. Yeah. It was a real tough stretch. Uh, yeah, the no, waves was... do most of the work. Right. Yeah, exactly. Just that middle part. Just backstrokes. Really first part, the last part, it's just that middle part. It's really, really yeah. rough. Because the tides are doing all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah, but then you, what just grab onto, you grab onto a whale or a shark yeah. and they do most of the swimming for you. Exactly. Yeah. That looks like an American whale. Let's go that way. Um... <laughs> Uh, it's got a little badge on him. Yeah, totally. It's like that's what are we the talking one. about here. So okay, so you, you pack way. up, you tell mom and dad. It was, yeah, it was in '93. Uh, I was already living in London, so I'd already left home for mm-hmm. one year, uh, working at the Sales Curve in London, doing uh, artwork for uh, SNES, NES games. Um, and I applied for a job at Guana in Northern England, and uh, got the job. Great, awesome. All prepared to move up to Middlesbrough in northern england um great team great people i was very excited about it and they're like yeah we're going to send you over to uh hq in uh, northern california to a training for a few months and then you come back i'm like awesome yeah all right because I, I i had my portfolio i did artwork and i worked at the other place for a year but i was still pretty green you know i still had a lot to learn still do uh but even more so then <laughs> yeah um and uh yeah, I was like, great, free vacation for a few months. Awesome. Um, <laughs> and to the US. I've never been to the States. I'm like, that sounds amazing. And uh, yeah, I mean, really, I, I came over. Um, and was it pitched to you as, ter- as temporary originally? Yeah, absolutely. It was, yeah. And really, we just never talked about me going back, which is really odd. <laughs> um, kind of a perfect way to trick a 19-year-old into moving to another country, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I guess they don't book good... your, your round trip. They just book you the one-way ticket, right. and you don't no, ask questions. Right. No, I, I did actually have a round, a, a round trip, but just okay. never ended up using the way back. So that, that was the other thing. Yeah, I was definitely under the impression that, yeah, I'm going back. I mean, I'm going sure. to have a two-way ticket, you know? So. Yeah. Um, actually, immigration won't let you in unless you do have a two-way ticket. Because if you have a one-way ah. ticket, it's pretty obvious what you're up to, you know? Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I had... So you're going to take a hike up to Canada. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's, a, it's a roundabout thingy. Just walk from I'm there. buying tickets from up there. They're much cheaper from there to get... No? Okay. It's true, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I came over here. Oh, well, over there in Northern California. And then that, mm-hmm. com- that was in, like, May yep. of 93. And then in September of the same year, the whole company moved down to Austin. Okay. Because um, the owner's wife's family, I think, was from here, so they kind of, you know, knew knew it, um, and it was a lot cheaper than living in California and all the rest of it. For sure. So, like, Austin's pretty great. So, like, yeah, I was like, whatever. I had no, I didn't know anything about Austin at the time. I did expect mm-hmm. tumbleweeds, I mean, I had no clue what to expect. Of course, um, yeah, from the from TV and movies and everything. Yeah, yeah. So, did you basically experience like a culture shock twice, like getting to California? Like, California, Texas, is very different, I imagine. Yeah, I haven't been to Texas. I've been to California, and yeah. Um, no, there isn't a huge difference. I mean, there is, sure. there are obvious differences for sure, but no, it's not like night and day. It's not like, right. no, it's, I mean, no, I mean, when you come down here, it's surprise. It's very green down here. Everyone's mm-hmm. really nice and friendly, just like they are, up, you know, in Northern California. So it's like, no, it wasn't, no, it was like, yeah, this Pretty is America smooth. too. Awesome. Cool. You know, um, I mean, you see a few more cowboy hats down here, but actually not that many, honestly. Yeah. Um, but obviously you don't see any in Northern California, but, um, um, but I mean, there are some differences, but no, it wasn't a huge shock. It sure. was like, 
yeah, okay, cool. I mean, the road signs are the same, and you know, there's a yeah, lot. Yeah, but for the most there. part, like you're not yeah. really a fish out of water kind of thing. No, like, where am I? Yeah, where am I now? <laughs> oh my gosh! So you moved uh, from California to Austin. <clears throat> That's basically where you set up shop ever since. Yeah, yeah. No, you, no, no uh, ambition to kind of go anywhere else or seek any like it's Austin's good. No, I mean actually, I've no, I've always had ambition. Uh, I love California. Yeah, I love Poor word choice, but yeah, uh, like, no, I'd nothing's kind of pulling you away anywhere else. No, totally. I've always yeah. uh, wanted to actually live in California. I love California. Yeah, uh, I love being by the ocean. You know, we are mm-hmm. literally landlocked right now in Austin. It's the center of Texas, uh, very far away from the ocean. Um, but no, I mean, both my wife and I would love to live, you know, on on the coast in California somewhere. But it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. You have to have a chunk of change, you know, in the bank to has a safety net or a down payment or something. Mm-hmm. To move out there to do it the way you, that we'd want to do it anyway, because right. if you're going to be going there, I'd like to be somewhat close to the ocean. You don't have to be on the beach, of course, because yeah. that would cost millions. But it, you know, I don't want to move there and be like so far away from the ocean. Well, what was the point? <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah, just a few minutes down the road would be nice. But uh, no, one day, I mean, that that's what we'd like to do. We'd love to like San Diego would be amazing. That's a great town. Um, you know, Southern California. You know, mm-hmm. it's a somewhat normal. Like, LA is a bit crazy, I think, but San Diego seems a bit more grounded i think the people there and just the place it's pretty nice but um yeah no i'd love to but just haven't uh gotten around to it <laughs> so iguana moves you all over the world you end up in austin um mm-hmm. what happens next like I, i'm trying to draw the path between kind of being um just a cog in the wheel versus i'm going to step away from everything what is probably as as what as far as you know more of a secure job in a in a world of uncertainty which is game development and then to walk away from that and go you know what i don't need all of this this cushion this job that's going to guarantee me payment and all this i'd rather just do this all on my own you know i had the desire i think to do my own thing for quite a while Mm -hmm. um but you know especially back then like a long time ago you know how do you do that i mean you couldn't self-publish right digital distribution didn't exist Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you make a game and sell it on your own where well, you can't you have to be working with someone mm-hmm. uh, either someone's money or someone's distribution channel you know just how do you get your game on the shelf you know so it definitely was more challenging then a much bigger deal then you know you, the indies didn't exist because they couldn't right there's no way you could be independent you know because like literally you can't sell the game yeah how could you do it is like, you have to physically work with someone get it else. out into a store yeah how do you yeah. get it on this yeah it's just so it was impossible so or you get to the point where you've got everything set up and suddenly you're not indie anymore <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? exactly. now, now you're just a legit studio with you know lots got of money to answer to. and channels and all the rest of it so mm-hmm. it's just you know it just didn't so what exist, was the window really. what was like when in all these barriers all these walls in front of you like what was the, the little crack well, so like that's my chance yeah I, I think for us i mean for me i always loved handhelds you know i've always loved yeah. um handheld machines i really enjoy playing them I, I like how personal they are you know lots of people are very much into hi-fi you know high fidelity mm, um yes. just high tech big screens blah big space speakers and all the rest of it and i totally appreciate that that's awesome um but that's all they want as far as games right. and, I, and i've always loved the intimacy of a handheld you know and when you are holding it this close to your face it's the equivalent of a massive 30 40 inch screen it really mm-hmm. is because it's right there in your hands. So right. to me, the experience can be very similar, and if not better in some ways, or at least comparable mm-hmm. um, with headphones and all the rest of it. I mean, I can get fully immersed into a handheld game, no problem at all. Um, so 
I think when the DS was, you know, kicking around and we were, Greg and I were both working at uh, King's Isle. I was the producer. who's the art director on a game called Wizard 101, which is like a kid's MMO type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were hired to kind of help that project. Um, it, it was an okay gig, um, but I wasn't being creative. Again, Greg wasn't really allowed to be that creative either. We were really just, you know, being used for our experience, which was fine. We had a decent paycheck. Nothing wrong with that. There are yeah. far worse jobs out there than that. So <laughs> it, it was it was a fine gig, nothing to complain about, but it wasn't what we wanted. You know, it mm-hmm. was like, yeah, this is fine. This is great. But and we'd wanted to start our own thing for a long time. And that, that I think that, because it was somewhat dull of a job, we're kind of like, you know what, let's let's do it. You know, let's leave our cushy jobs that are paying a decent salary and let's leave it, you know, <laughs> let's let's risk it all. Yeah. And just this big game. And and doing um doing an, a, a a big game like Dementium mm-hmm. um on uh, on a DS was like, well that's perfect because no one else is really doing that right now. Mm-hmm. No 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 one of of our in our peers cares or respects the DS, so they're not going to do anything on the DS. Right. And those big companies that are doing the big games and might touch the DS aren't going to do a Dementium. They're mm-hmm. you know they're going to do something safer for kids and so on. So, <clears throat> well, like perfect, you know. So that was good because we we're able to do a big scoped game, but it was very limited in in uh, in technology and uh, art and all the rest of it. So we actually didn't need a full massive team to do it. So it was a right. perfect uh, combination of we can do this for just a few people this game that seems bigger than it really is on this mm-hmm. little handheld, which I love anyway. And I think, and because there isn't really much like that, there was Resident Evil, but it wasn't really that scary. It was more of a third person, pretty average port. Um, right. so, the, so really Dimension was quite unique, um, you know, on, on the DS. Um, it was a great opportunity. And even though we had to go with a publisher to get the game on a shelf, so we weren't really indie in that regard. We weren't able to mm-hmm. self-publish. Uh, at least the small team can make a big game potentially have an impact you know existed on the ds for us right um and we were lucky enough to partner up with gamecock who's a publisher who is in austin and who are now uh, devolver digital essentially right. same people um <clears throat> it's not surprising at all because you guys are real trailblazers in that area like you don't you don't really get those little slivers of time too often where you have that that magical combination of all the factors you just talk about this system that is it has millions of people on it all right. these different types of games you have your particular specialty and nobody else is in that space and for you to go well we're just going to go in and own it at this time yeah. i mean that's pretty it was serendipitous a- it was, and it, it was a pretty. It felt like <clears throat> a fairly calculated, reasonable risk, right? Where we're either going to do real good or real bad, and if mm-hmm. we do real bad, well, great, we'll go and get another job then, because the market here was fine; it wasn't struggling like it probably is now. Right. Um, <clears throat> so we're like, you know, very arrogant, I guess. Really, we're like, screw it, we'll just get a job if this if this fails. <laughs> you know? But at that point, we had many years of experience, or at least right. 13, 14 years of experience. So, we, you know, we, we felt like we could probably get a decent job, even if that meant moving to California, which a lot of my friends did. They moved around the country, yeah, um, far from around the, the world, in the world. Even, um, right. to get a job in the industry, and I was willing to do that. Um, so, um, but no, fortunately it worked out, which I, which I think, in retrospect, it seemed like it probably could. You know, right. you put a decent game on a decent platform, um, Decent marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's at least not going to be a bomb. It might at least break even and get a little bit of a profit. And that's exactly what it did. It's just like, great. So it really did pay off, which is great. And it was just a really good combination of, of um, 
uh, Bob, who's the programmer, his mm-hmm. technical prowess and, you know, 60 frames a second on the DS, blisteringly along with the atmosphere, Greg's amazing artwork, um, you know, I did the design and the audio, um, just all three of us were really firing on all cylinders. We were completely just effective in our uh, specialty, mm-hmm. put that together, boom. It was just a really magical, awesome little kind of, you know, time to kind of do that creatively what was the spark for that game like what was the what was the 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 mouse running around like the mickey mouse for walt disney like what was the that moment where you're like this is this is the game like or was it a combination to... of things was it what did it even start with a concept in terms of atmosphere or character or the gameplay it, design yeah the moment i knew that we had something special was when we got this flashlight working that oh, was like cool. holy shit <laughs> on the ds atmosphere what yeah what i mean lighting atmosphere on a ds that what are you talking about so who that didn't figures exist that out on the team who who's well, the guy who brings it forward who's who is this sorry who unlocks that who's who, like i'm just trying to picture like the moment where like guys look at this it's well it was flashlight yeah i mean it was a concept it was like hey let's at first we're like hey let's just put we knew we couldn't display many polygons so we had to have right. fog so we knew it had to be dark so we know we're going to put it in darkness. You learned that from, from Turok. Exactly. So you know it has to have a draw distance. So like, great, we'll make it dark. Right. Um, and then, That's way better than fog. Right? It is. Genius. Totally. And then we're yeah. like, you know, and, and I think we were fine with that at first. And then we're yeah. like, well, can we do a flashlight <clears throat> of any kind? Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, and Bob was you know just messed around with a bunch of different things and had I think he started off with a fairly rudimentary basic concept of the stencil that allowed the flashlight effect to happen and it was pretty crude and we just kind of messed with it to the point you know there's lots of factors that make that flashlight it's mm-hmm. there's a there's a cone a stencil effect that essentially gets rid of the fog in a certain uh, area yep. of the screen like it's completely uh-huh. gone now um, but that isn't quite enough you need to set the right size of course to make it seem real. Also, we uh, have a, a flat sprite that's um, alphaed on the tip of the flashlight. Mm-hmm. So the connection between the actual physical geometry flashlight and the, and the cone, there's a flat uh, camera-facing uh, alphaed kind of uh, glow, which is okay. really neat. It really adds a nice, soft kind of transition between the two. Um, and I think... Oh, well, then, of course, there's the lighting. So the actual real-time lighting has to change as well. Like, when you have it turned off, it's using baked-in uh, ambient lighting. But as soon as you hit it, there is a directional light that's now turned on. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and there's a few other things involved that I can't think of right now because it's so long ago. But So we really is tweaking all of those values together in harmony to actually create the illusion that, oh, this is actually a flashlight. Because obviously mm-hmm. it wasn't. It was a complete fake illusion. Um, <laughs> so ironically, when you turn it on, you just cut through the fog. So now that's what was beautiful was like, so when you start the game, you're thinking, oh, it's just like Turok, fog, but it's dark. Oh, I get it. Yeah. You turn it on, boom, you see the end of the corridor. There is no fog. Now you can see the entire distance, and we're like, mm-hmm. mind blown. Because right. we know the player's going to be like, oh, this is a technical limitation. That's why there's fog. Click, holy shit, now I can see the end of the corridor. Uh-huh. Um, so it was like, wow. Um, so that, oh, when, as soon as we that. pulled that off, we're yeah. like, we're done. As, well, long as, we lo- as long as we don't mess up the rest of the game, we're done. <laughs> you know, yeah, the rest writes itself. The rest it of the does. game just basically really you're done. Yeah, I love the incredible. way I love the way that you describe 
Because you talked about this on If We Were Nintendo as well, like the way that you describe the process and the way that these things are built. I know zero about making games, but what you just sort of described, I can I can actually see happening from what like it makes sense to me in and a way that that's all the games are. They're, they're a bunch of logical it's puzzle solving, and like it, yeah, it is puzzle solving, and you mm-hmm. have to use them together um, in a harmonious way. You know, right. any one of those pieces isn't quite set right, it's going to mess up the whole effect. <clears throat> and that's where the experience and the, the iteration and the prototyping and the vision mm-hmm. comes in. All of those things come in. Um, it cause... always seems like it's overcoming some sort of technical limitation from the games that, that I've t- heard you talk about. It's always, okay, we can only draw so far, or um, we have a screen that's only so large, so we have to design the yep. game in a, in a different way. So it kind of like puts your frame set, in, or your mindset in a different frame, yeah. where, but it just automatically puts you into problem solving that ends up yeah. with a very creative and different gameplay experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like to look at, I, yeah, I like to know my boundaries and go, yeah. okay, now what? You know, if I don't know my boundaries, and there are no boundaries. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, it goes back <laughs> to know? the ten year. It goes back to yeah, the time exactly. part of it. Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's not only freedom. technical. Yeah. yeah, you 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 need to work. You have to be focused. I yeah. guess it is limitation is, is a beautiful thing. I mean, Capcom and Konami of the Super Nintendo era were mm-hmm. freaking masters. Yeah, masters of their craft. They really were. It's a very underrated period by most people. Like it's incredible what they accomplished with. Getting back to it, Demon's Crest, Mickey mm-hmm. Mouse, uh, Magical Quest, uh, Aladdin, uh, Mega Man, uh, well, Super Nintendo, uh, sorry, Genesis, even with uh, Castle Illusion. All of those games, you know, they had a very, they all had the exact, pretty much, amount of hardware to deal mm-hmm. with. Everyone, pretty much, I mean, they added the FX chip and all kinds of weird stuff towards the latter half of the SNES era, actually, and the genesis era to some degree especially with the audio stuff but you know the bolt-on chips but but largely speaking you have this many tiles that you can make your level artwork out let's say it's a thousand and twenty four eight by eights which is probably about what we had okay Uh, that's it that's how much you've got in memory you cannot have more doesn't matter how much you scream about it it's not going to happen that's (laughs) the limitation sorry Uh, so get creative and then you have sprites on top of that but you can only have so many in memory you can only have so many in a line if you go suddenly to nine sprites ah flicker eight perfect great don't go over eight you know so all of these rules you get to learn um over time and yeah capcom konami etc wow i mean yeah you see the odd tearing and flicker now and then but holy crap I mean, just to look at the beauty that they've pulled off, not only visually, gameplay-wise, music, sound effects, and Magical mm-hmm. Quest especially is, is really... It's not like it's a super brilliant game, but it really is, though, at the same time. Because sure. it pulls off all of those things together. It looks like a freaking storybook. It feels nice and spongy and solid. The sound is so symphonic and so bassy and just like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, it's just... And they pull all those it's freaking Mickey Mouse, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's actually a licensed game, but you forget that. Mm-hmm. You forget that this is like a Mickey Mouse game. It's like it really one of the few uh, properties that, that almost didn't care that it was a property. Because totally. obviously Disney is like, whatever, just have fun. That's you know? so funny. That's the impression you get. Maybe they didn't give them that freedom, but it feels like it. So that's the key. They pulled it mm-hmm. off somehow. But it feels like the designers could do what the hell they want. Oh, and just make Mickey Mouse not do anything weird. Thanks. How do you, you touched on this just for a second there. How do you 
kind of approach the, the the feel of a game i don't know how if there's even a way to articulate this or to materialize crystallize the, the idea of a feel of a game there's a lot of times when a game is criticized people will talk about the controls are stiff or it doesn't feel quite right like how do you approach feel it's yeah. such a such an airy fairy kind of concept but I you mean, you have to put legitimate like, yeah. effort into the feel of a game yeah i think it depends on where you're coming from i think a lot of people will start with only the feel, like nothing logical about it. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I just, this just feels good. I mean, like uh, uh, Mario 64, running him around is freaking silk. You know, you're like, this is, yeah, wow. Yeah, you know it when you see it. Like when you <laughs> yeah. play the game, you know, like I, I, if I move him just a little bit, this is a natural extension yeah. of, but like in terms of I think some people programming would, the game, creating yeah. it. From uh, yeah. scratch, yeah. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, for me, it's very logical, though. Like, I don't go okay. from the touchy-feely kind of thing, where I think a lot right. of people do, and that's fantastic, and you can tell the games that have gone that way, right. because that's a big focus of the experience. There's a lot of elbow room for the player to enjoy that aspect mm-hmm. of the game. Um, but for me, I'm, I'm the opposite, where I'm like, again, getting back to the limitations and the restrictions, I'm like, well, what are we trying to achieve here? Like, MUDs, for example, uh, there is no inertia on anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you push right, he goes right, you let go, he stops. There's no acceleration, right. there's no deceleration. It's on, it's off. And that was on purpose because we want the player to not fall off the edge of a platform and die accidentally. We want them to jump and land on a tiny eight pixel wide platform. We, you know, I, I wanted it to be very precise, you know, because I mm-hmm. wanted to um, have that kind of level design where, you're like, yeah, you need to be in control. Um, because you're going to be asked to do quite a few tricky things. So if there was any like deceleration, any kind of inertia, wow, that would have been annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and hence the ice stages. Um, right, right. So then it's annoying by design. As, as a contrast, like, yes, I hate those ice levels. Thank uh-huh. God I'm not out of that world now. Um, so the so feel is more born out of the... Just... Gameplay that I know I want to demand from the player. Yeah, like, right. this is what I need them to be able to accomplish, therefore. Mm-hmm. Um, like with um, uh, Zero Drifter, uh, there is mm-hmm. some inertia. There is some acceleration. Well, hang on, let me think. Is there acceleration? Yes, there is. Um, and so there isn't any much precision jumping uh, platform mm-hmm. landing in that game. You know, there is... I mean, they're pretty generous. You know, you jump, right. slide a little bit, great, whatever, jump. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty spongy, and it knows that, so it gives mm-hmm. you, you know, a little bit of room to mess around there. But it's never asking you to land on an eight-pixel wide platform or you die. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> um, yeah, so we can have the sponginess, you know. But then it has the 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 um, the rigid jump height. You know, you tap it, you hold it, doesn't matter. It's one jump height, and right. I like that some people don't like that shocker um but i like that <laughs> you're not because... pleasing everybody Jules, no, i know right on. what's wrong with me i'm Work such a harder, selfish man. person um <laughs> but i like that because <laughs> then you press that it's button no matter how you press it you will get the same result it is it, right. it's a black and white thing it's like the running running of max but in a jump former you press right. the button you know what you're going to get you the the game is never going to mess with based on how much you press it. And for me, that's now I can rely on that. As a designer, right. I know the player will be jumping this high. Therefore, I can rely on this and I can do this to them. I can mm-hmm. present this to them or whatever. So, um, yeah, so it's all just out of logical necessity, really, and how mm-hmm. we want the challenge to be. So the player is the yin and the, le- the level is the yang and that they fit together perfectly mm-hmm. or, um, or you fail, basically. And so now you're a game creator who is flipping the script on the rest of us, who is allowing, you're allowing us to create our games. 
Right, with chicken, ch- ch- chicken wiggle, chicken wiggle. I'm gonna have to quit. <laughs> tell me, tell me that thing boots up. Chicken, chicken is just ch- you. Ch- ch- chicken wiggle. That would be awesome. That would but be like like a super yeah. bad like I don't yeah. even know what file yeah. format. Just a really compressed. Just yeah, like, really bad. Like, digitized, horrible image. Yeah, yeah. like the early but, EA Sports. It's in the yeah. game. Yeah, still crackling and barely audible. Yeah. That's so what? Awesome. How, how do you how do you approach that? Of not only are you creating the game. But you're creating the game for other people to become the creators. Yeah. See, like, I, I love that because that's yeah. I feel like that's where I started. You know, with Shoot Up Construction Kit, I mm-hmm. love. I, I and I I would love someday to. My ultimate dream would be to create a game. Well, it'd probably have to be focused on a certain genre, but to make a game maker like for the three years. Obviously, the three years is twilight years are upon us but i would love to be able to create a game maker like a true game maker in the palm of your hand so you can uh-huh. make your own game wherever you want in you know that would be amazing so really chicken wiggle is you just a little, is engine it's a step towards that it's just one okay. step uh i don't know if that will ever be achieved but i just love it, it, it i just love the, the the thought that someone can have their 3ds or whatever handheld device mm-hmm. be sitting in the corner somewhere creating a game that Basically is doodling, and exactly. a game is the result. The create, yeah, I mean, so anyway, but Chicken Wiggle is a step in that direction. You know, it, it, from the beginning, mm-hmm. it was designed as let's make a fun, simple game, platform game, that the player can create the levels and share them mm-hmm. online. And that was from the very beginning the concept. The actual game side of it is, is actually morphed quite a lot, but the balance between there's a game, there's an editor. Has always been the way it was supposed to be. The game naturally has blown up in scope and proportion from the original yeah. vision, but I'm okay with that because it's got better. It's improved over time. I, I always start very safe and careful and small and tiny because mm-hmm. um, I never know how long something's going to take, and it usually then does explode a little bit along the way, and that's okay. And that, that's happened with most of our games. Uh, right, Dementium included, you know. Yeah, so, you just know that moment's going to happen where yeah. things are going to get a little bigger. So you don't have to, you don't have to yeah. push it at the beginning. So I always start really narrow and focused and tiny, mm-hmm. and it will naturally explode. And I don't ever think consciously, "Oh, I know it's going to explode, so I'm going to start tiny." It just right. happens, you know. Um, but anyway, but it, it's happened again um, with with ch- 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 chicken wiggle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, and yeah, and the neat thing was, so it was a really nice process. And the first thing yeah. was I knew kind of what I wanted the player package to be. So I, I just created a, a single screen diagram image to give to Matthew. And it just had actually used the Zero Drifter character just because he was 16 by 16. And that was just a convenient size. And it was like, yeah, like the jump height would be this. Then you'd have a grapple that would be this long and take you across here. And just a kind of a diagram of what the player abilities would be. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I was thinking something like this. Um, and Matthew's just so good. He can just take, uh, yeah, cool, I get it. And he can just, boom, get it going. And then implement his own kind of finesse and polish and all the rest of it and find the problems and fix that and, you know, make it come alive, basically. It's really impressive. So that's kind of where we started and then kind of morphed then towards, okay, how are we going to make the, the editor and what are the levels? And they kind of started off actually a little bit more like Pushmo where the levels were very kind of color-coded and just boxes and it was all going to be qr codes that you scan so the level is going to be super tiny in size because mm-hmm. the qr codes are pretty limited um so it started really different and it wasn't going to be it was never going to be a zero drifter game just to make that right. clear <laughs> i just used him because he existed um <laughs> and then it kind of morphed into something a little bit bigger and more ambitious and then we finally decided that okay what's the character going to be 
Um, I had a really cool little kind of uh, ice climber guy at one point, really cute little parka, little jacket on with a little yeah. apple. He was adorable. Uh, um, but then I got to see that. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah no, I should it. show you. He looks pretty cool, but it looked a bit too similar to ice climbers. And I was like, eh. sure. And I, not, it didn't look like a ripoff, but it would definitely be like, oh, that looks like the guy from Ice Climbers. And I'm, I'm kind of tired of hearing that about Max. He looks like, like, like Jeff from Earthbound. I was, yeah, I know. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't intentional. I didn't even know who Jeff was until everyone was telling me that looks like Jeff Murphy. I'm like, yes, Dang, you're right. Of course. It does. Yeah. This. This. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So we're like, well, what, what should the character be? Um, originally, I thought, wouldn't it be cute if you were the bird that was at the beginning of Mutant Mods. You know, in the background on the sign, there's a tiny bird that flutters and then flies off. Yeah. I was like, oh, let's be that. That'd be so funny. You, that could be the main character. That'd be so silly. Um, and then I was like, well, I don't want to be tied to the Muds universe. Like, right. people have expectations of that universe, and I don't want to be tethered by that. So we're like, nah, let's not do that. Let's not make it a Muds game. Let's make it original. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bird idea was still kind of interesting. And we're like, ah, oh, it'd be funny if I had a worm on his back. That could be the grapple. That'd be so silly. Because a bird and worm, bird should eat the worm, but didn't eat the worm. That's pretty cool. Amazing. So, yeah, it's completely <laughs> ridiculous. And then it was yeah. like, and then I had a really little red guy, and he looked pretty cool. But I'm like, oh, man, it looks like the Angry Birds guy. And I don't want to oh, look like the Angry Birds bird. Mm-hmm. You know, you make any red, fat, little round bird, and suddenly it looks like the Angry Birds bird. And you're like, oh man. And I was like, well, how am I going to do that then? And because color wise, it looked great. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I can make it a little chicken. That'd be kind of cute. Maybe a little baby chick. That'd be cute. Because I love New Zealand stories. So that kind of popped in my head. And I was like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. So anyway, so there we go. That's the weird, creative slash logical. Part. No, I love it. My jaw is like, that oh my god, I look like an idiot now because my mouth is just like in <laughs> awe. But I just love it. Like, well, why did I just born. do this? Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't, you know, some characters are like, ah, just, you know, yeah. just, just born into the world like in a holy way. This guy was kind of, you know, pushed and shoved and squeezed and wrestled and finally came out. It's something I'm, re- I mean, obviously there's a banjo kazooie kind of inspiration there too, and right, it's silly. Yeah. Um, and I, so I, I really love that it, 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 it came out that way. I'm very, and everyone, it, everyone smiles. When you say it's chicken, it, just saying chicken wiggle, you're like, oh yeah, that's pretty fun. That's pretty cute. This and, and is I, so gorgeous. I just and, love and it. And I think it's, it's fun. I don't know. It's just fun to do something that is, is cute and playful. You know, too many people are trying to do, and I, and I, I love manly games. I love playing, Games where you blow people's heads off, sure, that's fun too. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's it, it, I think it's good sometimes to be like, you know what, I'm okay with making something that's cute, something that isn't something that's adorable, something that isn't about uh, testosterone, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily about estrogen either. It's you know, it's it's just about being nice and just having There's a something... nice soft experience, you know. And there'll be yeah. some you know, boy-like stuff in there naturally because I am a dude. You know, mm-hmm. so there'll be, you know, like when you use the Just gra- a random German Shepherd you got to stab in yeah, the exactly. face. No, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You have to get those moments out. But no, but like when you do the grapple, when you do the worm and it hits one of the enemies to stun them, it's like, it's almost like a street fire. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's like ridiculous. Like yeah, Matthew, over the top. Matthew got that and put that in there and I'm like, oh, that is amazing. Because it really feels like a slapping them around with this freaking worm. It's hilarious. <laughs> So it, it's it's a nice combination, but I I, I like I'm d- we're definitely embracing our silly creative fun side and not being too worried about people thinking it's too young, cute, whatever. It's just mm-hmm. it's a nice it's nice. I mean, like Muds was that way as well, I guess. But he had a gun, so that's a lot different. But right, um, it seems like you're just unhinged with this, though. It seems like just all bets are off, and this is big. It's ambitious. It's 
original, creative, beautiful, all these things. Very odd. And it, yeah. it must feel like it, this is and this is new territory for you as well. Now Absolutely. announcing a new game, a new company, you're leading yeah. Renegade. Like PAX was just not that long ago. Yeah. But you've been living in this world for a little while now. So what was it sort mm-hmm. of like to unveil to the world the game, the the new company? Um, like was it more was it emotional for you or was it Definitely. just like another day? Yeah. No, a very strange week. On the Monday yeah. we announced that Renegade Kids was ending. Yeah. Um, which was naturally uh, sad um, yeah, and difficult, difficult to have to say that, um, you know. But then, what you know? But I, I knew that Thursday, what was supposed to be that Thursday, though I was gonna also going to be announcing Chicken Wiggle. So that was softening. That was like, oh, that's cool, you know. Yeah, there's the bad news. Now here's the good news. Kind of thing. Yeah. That's the way I look at <laughs> Start it with anyway. the bad news. Give yeah. the bad news first. Give it a few days to to percolate, and then boom, slap. You have right. some, some fun stuff. So. Um, yeah, no, it was a really weird week. Um, then, of course, Nintendo Direct was announced on the Thursday. Oh, coming on Thursday, so I moved it to Wednesday instead. Yeah, but yeah. there was something in that Direct. There certainly that, was the very oh. first thing. In fact, the very first thing that was a bit of a slap I, in the face. I was, saying, I was saying to Bobby, I'm like, I didn't even want. To, I was about to. I was on the bus on the way home, and and people are throwing out predictions for the for the 3ds direct. People throwing out all these things, and I'm like, I don't know why, but I feel like maybe the Mario Maker might make its yeah. way to the 3ds. But I didn't tweet it because I yeah. didn't want to jinx want you or anything. I'm like, I didn't want to. Like, if I don't say it, it won't. Yeah. But the world doesn't work like that. So yeah. my heart just. I mean, I was excited, but I was like, oh god, I just. That was difficult. Chicken. Yeah, that yeah. was difficult. I mean, I, I'm glad that. I announced it on Wednesday and not Friday or Thursday. Right. At you least I got because I had intuition. no clue. Of course, I had no clue. Something in you told you that was the right move, though. Yeah. So I so I announced it on a Wednesday, and the nice thing is, at that time, uh, Mario Maker 3DS did not exist in the consciousness. Right. So people are like, "Sweet, you own the space. So, someone's finally doing it." And we're like, "Yay, celebration! We're awesome!" And uh, and then the next day, they're like, "No, we actually are doing it." And we're like, "Oh, but at least we got to we got the attention of mm-hmm. oh, you guys are doing it. Good job, you know." But if we'd announced it after Mario Maker 3DS was announced, they were like, "Oh, you guys are also doing it." So at least we got to say it first, which was nice. Well, yeah, not to kiss your ass too, too much here, but I mean, it wasn't too long after the Mario Maker announcement came out where people started to focus more on what it isn't going to do than what it actually is going to do. So, Indeed, right? Isn't yeah. that strange? Yeah, Very strange. Crippled on that end, I think. Yeah, it's like it has no online level sharing, which blows my mind. Mm-hmm. I, I literally do not understand that decision. Um, I, the only justification I can think that someone would have thought that was a good idea was they wanted that more intimate one-on-one real humans hanging out in the room kind of thing but like okay that's not i mean do that as well right yeah <laughs> it's a tough balance not, to, to, to do online that. yeah Very strange so that's a really bad call on their parts but i'm i'm very thankful that they're not doing yeah it that. gives you that again you just yeah. get to have another like thing that yeah. your guys's game does because that was a big focus of ours like how are we going to do the sharing you know because originally mm-hmm. it was qr codes then we decided to do right. networking um and then we're like well if we're going to do networking let's let's do it properly so it, you know it's going to be our own kind of server that that handles that and it's working on the pc we just need to move over to the 3ds mm-hmm. um and it's really neat because we wanted to make it really flexible where the user has a decent amount of control over uh, uh sorting the levels you know right. like what do i want to see how do i how do i wade through all of this crap you know, and it could be just most popular levels, most recent levels, mm-hmm. um, you know, a two-e official levels where we'll be making some and uploading them. Um, but in addition to that, you can each, when you create a level, 
you can add four search tags. So if you put, you know, Sean, yeah, you know, free or whatever, in you know, whatever, any cool creative word you want to put in there, mm-hmm. if I search that for that word, boom, all your levels are going to pop up. Um, so that that's really fun. Um, so you get a little SEO with your with your levels. I, to just walk away from the from the Mario Maker comparison, just after that, I think that the reason they don't do it is because they don't have what you've got there. They don't have that ability built into the right. Mario Maker that we know now to go ahead and add that of well, plus search tags and things and way to sort it. The legal responsibility to be very protective as well, which we don't care about (laughs) you know um Uh like they really do care about that where you know is i I don't know why though because you can put up the screen warnings and then that covers Mm -hmm. you legally like don't do stupid crap okay great thanks you agree to that Uh uh-huh okay now you're good so please um, no dick pics yeah yeah, exactly yeah yeah Yeah. um (laughs) and as long as we legally say yes we do have the ability and we will delete and or ban stuff that's Mm -hmm. wildly inappropriate of course we will we don't want right our community be full of dick pics. <laughs> It'll be hilarious for a day. Well, there's a whole we'll bunch of mushrooms. And, yeah, yeah exactly. It sort of lends itself to but No, we don't want that either. Well. But, I mean, they're a little bit too heavy-handed with that generally, which is not a bad mm-hmm. thing. I really appreciate it that they are that way. But we don't it have to worry company, so much. Right? about yeah, Exactly. But we yeah. don't worry about it so much, you know, because we'll control it as much as we can. But we also believe that the players should have the ability to do that if they want to. It's up to yeah. them. This is rich user generated content, you know? It's the very definition of that. Anyway, so that'll be a search thing, and it'll also be able to just type in the level ID. So once you upload a level, there will be a, a unique number given to that level. And if you give me that number, boom, I can just search for it and download it. The other really neat thing is once you're online connected to the server, you're scrolling through the levels, it will show you, you know, who made it, what's it called, there's a little screenshot of what the level is, there's yep. how many favorites has it had, how many times has it been downloaded. And then right there and then, you can be like, you know what? You can either just play it right now, or you can just download download it it's up to you so the nice thing is you can just be browsing like oh that looks cool i'm gonna play it oh that was awesome i'm gonna download that now and like oh i played that that wasn't so awesome i'm gonna download that that. so it's gonna be very free to kind of be up there the nice thing is once you've downloaded it now you have it and you can edit it so now if you then edit it or then fork it um you know branch it off now it's your own level now it's not Mm -hmm. that person's level but, you know, if you go in there and add a dick to it, then you can upload it. Oh, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just add cock prefix before exactly. I'll know. <laughs> no, but seriously, the, the nice thing about that, and this is something I experienced as a creative person, is a lot of people at the beginning is you need to learn from others. You need to go play someone's level and go, that was awesome. Why was it awesome? Let's download that. Let me edit that. Let me analyze that. Why yeah. was that awesome? Well, and you can see the spacing because once you put it in the editor, you've got an overlaid grid. So you can see this, this, the spacing and the sizing of everything and go, ah, that was four units across and that was three units high. That felt really good. Yeah. Now I know. You know. So you can really analyze the level you really enjoyed and, and then reverse engineer it. And that, that's creativity. Just- that's that's a really integral part in becoming a creative person is reverse engineering people's stuff so and 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 mario um mario maker doesn't allow you to do that doesn't there's there's sort of a plagiarism aspect there as well that that i want to ask you about like how do you avoid just like doing a very minor change or are you even worried about that if i download your level and i go i add an extra block somewhere and i go that's my level and you're you're cool with that it's up to you they all have dates on them so you'll know who did it first right um you know, that's does, it, does it show yeah. that it was downloaded and adjusted at all in any way? Or? 
Not that I'd carry the one. I'm just curious. No, like no, how it will just yeah. be like it appears is, like any other. This level. is your level, and here's what it's called, and this is when I created it. And there you go. Yeah. No, I mean it's um it's all you know it's all free. Uh, what's the word? Source. Yeah, open source. Uh, open kind source. Of thank you. Yeah, totally. like, what's it called? Yeah. Uh, I mean, no one's <laughs> making money out of that stuff. You know, we're not making money. You're not making money. Everyone's right. eating crap and shoving up there for enjoyment. Um, of course, indirectly, we're making money because hopefully people are like, oh, I want to buy the game so I can play them. That's right. great. But, but you're no, not no one's restricting and handcuffing. Yeah, you know, no one's yeah. selling the levels. No one's buying the levels. They're all just free stuff. So I don't see. We don't see any reason to limit anything apart from dicks. Mm-hmm. We will limit dicks. Um, That's really encouraging because it seems like you guys are more focused on like the ninety percent of players who will create their own versus the ten percent of players who maybe they're just going to copy. But it's like go for it. You're not getting anything yeah. out of that anyway. So. Yeah, and I, mean, I, I, I really do think that's an integral part in it. And, and if someone, you know, is going to yeah copy a great level and upload it and pretend it's theirs, I think people are smart enough to, you know, sniff that out and go, really yeah, do? Sure. Um, yeah. You know, and they can up they can uprate the other one and just not. I mean, not going to have any down rating. That's not needed. But you know, mm-hmm. they can you know favorite you know the one they really like and just leave it leave it to the people. Yeah, and if it gets really messy, of course we'll step in and we'll ban people and delete stuff. If people get just delete it all and just yeah, <laughs> like like the Matrix isn't that how that works? Exactly. I think they just like yeah. Um, but no, we, so, we don't want to get into the policing it. That's for sure. Oh, my God, for the people who aren't into creating or playing created levels, like what's the what's the out of the box sort of experience like for these people? Right. No, pretty um, pretty robust. The uh, best game ever. The actually. best game ever. <laughs> yeah. No, there'll be a. Uh, uh, there will be 60 regular levels in the story mode, yep. um, all built with the editor that ramp up in difficulty. So they don't start balls hard, but they will get balls hard. <laughs> um, and, uh, and throughout that story, then you can do things that will unlock other secret levels that will be absolutely balls hard, uh, unlockable yep. secret levels. So there'll be at least 60 levels, uh, to play as part of the story mode. Um, yeah. And, and the editor, um, Will, it'll be fully accessible to you the moment you turn it on. So you won't have to unlock or earn crap. I, I, I get that methodology and why Nintendo does that. It drives me nuts. Right. So, boom, you get the editor. Here's all the crap. You may not have never experienced that before because you haven't got to that point in the game yet. So you'll be like, well, what does this do? Well, shove it down and find out. You know, that's what creativity nice. is about. Shove it down. Shove it down and find out. out. You'll probably die, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, and so yeah, so that that's good. So yeah, there'll be lots of levels, the editor, and then uh, hopefully lots of online levels to people, you know, to to mess with. You sort of touched on is that where you guys you started with building the game, like the level builder, and that's how yeah, you built the game. Absolutely, we got yeah. the player package done first. So the move set, everything, his abilities. Um, and then figured out, well, what is the game? You know, is yeah. it just colored blocks? Is it gadgets? What is this? And it slowly morphed into what it is now, which is essentially a platform puzzle game. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then, and then we focused on the editor um, and really prototyped that quite rapidly, actually, on the PC. Uh, to get, It's kind of emulating like 3DS as far as the layout and the touch and stuff. Um mm-hmm. And the screen size. And, uh, yeah, and that was, as you can imagine, how the hell do you make an editor that doesn't suck, you know? Um, <laughs> that actually does something useful. Uh, edit, you know, user interface. It, thankfully, I like user interface. I, I like analyzing it. I like to try and make it good and, and logical and, and um, easy to use. So that was a fun, and, and so does Matthew. You know, we're both into that. We, we take it seriously, and, and we don't mm-hmm. like to let sloppiness sleep seep into something like that something that's so core 
to mm. the ability to actually access this stuff. So yeah, we spent the longest time on designing that on the editor, and then once we got that done, great. Now I'm going to make the levels with this. Up, mm. up until that point, they were just test scrap throwaway levels. Once we had the editor actually working, great. Now I can start making levels. So all the levels that anyone's ever played have been made in the editor. That, that is the coolest thing. So yeah, we've ironed, I have ironed out lots of bugs and, and, and found lots of problems, and that's just part of the process. But it's great. The editor's awesome. And the cool thing is on the 3DS, it's actually better than it was on the PC when I was using it. And I still use it on the PC and the 3DS, but I prefer it on the 3DS. And I'm not just saying that. The nice thing is um, on the 3DS... Obviously, you know, you're holding the 3DS. Do mm-hmm. I have a 3DS up here? No, I have a DS. That's close enough. <laughs> um, you know, so you're holding the, the 3DS. You've got the circle pad over here, though. This is so, for my benefit only to see this, by the way. Oh, okay. Right, well, stuff, I, I'm, holding, I'm, I'm holding I'm glad you're here. Yep, I'm, I'm in the classroom <laughs> but, the, but the nice thing is, you know, you, you're obviously using the stylus to touch the, the lower screen um, to select the tile and place it and stuff like that. But the left circle uh, pad scrolls around. So okay. I, I know it sounds really si- simple and silly, but I don't have that ability on the PC. I have to click on the little hand symbol, scroll it around like you're doing right. Photoshop, and then click on the little tool symbol and plonk it down. On the 3DS, I don't have to click on the hand symbol, even though you can if you want to. I can just move freely with the circle pad and scroll uh-huh. around the level and just plonk things down. And the L shoulder button opens up the little tile, which is in the top left, which actually opens up all the folders for all the goodies inside it. Mm-hmm. Again, well, or you can just touch that to open and close that. But it's it's actually really nice really to nice. use it on the 3DS. It's really fluid, uh, and, and yeah, I love it. it. It's it's a real joy. So I went on vacation to Europe um, over the summer with the family, and that was kind of where we were in the middle of of. Actually, that was I think we had just got the editor running on the 3DS at that point. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I'm like, this is a perfect time for me to go away with it, and. Uh, try it you know <laughs> and see what the work. hell happens is this a disaster is this gonna work i don't know perfect yeah. time so i would just be making levels on it and you know it had some growing pains and things obviously were fixed since then so there was some mm-hmm. pain in it but no it worked i mean i'm in freaking paris or whatever you know making levels and i'm like oh my, oh my. god and i could save it off and bring it home and i'm like yeah, this is pretty cool. <laughs> you know? I just uh, love I am so excited to play this game. Am I remembering correctly? Is this coming to iOS as well? Um, that was the original plan. Um, sure. I think we might actually only focus on 3DS. You um, know what? I support that decision big time. That, we haven't announced that. I guess I just did. Um, so I think that's probably what we're going to do. We did talk okay. about 3DS iOS to begin with. I think we're going to focus on 3DS only um, because... Um, we need to get back to Treasure Notes. It's really as simple as that. Mm. <laughs> um, and, and doing iOS is going to take at least an extra month um, to kind of move, move everything over. We might right. do it later um, mm. if it does really well. But right now, because of the timing, because of what we want to accomplish for next year, I think we're going to wrap up Chicken Wiggle, focus on 3DS, um, and then move on to Treasure Notes and get that wrapped up and make it as awesome as it can be and get that God. released uh, next year. So. Yeah. That's the plan. Yes, yeah, so unfortunately, iOS kind of fell out of that, and hopefully it'll come back later, but um, we'll see. 
Yeah. You got to think that your main. I don't know the numbers. You know better than me, obviously. Like you're, you got to imagine that the the dedicated fans are are on the 3ds. The guy, the people who are going to be picking this up are going to be more, most fervent about it. Um, maybe I, I on think, the 3ds. I think it's a pretty natural fit. I mean, there is a lot right. of level maker type things on the iOS already. Uh, mm-hmm. and some of them are really really good. You know, there's some great mm-hmm. examples on there, and they've got great, a great online level sharing, blah 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 stuff already going. Some really good, good examples on there already. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's a really fun natural fit for the 3ds audience obviously that's our lead platform anyway it's literally yeah you're working on the 3ds now um, right. but it is being designed also kind of to work as a single screen experience as well um if we ever do take it to consoles or nx or whatever you know nx uh, confirmed uh that would be nice <laughs> thing that would be yeah, imagine no like oh sharing a laptop from 3DS to NX and back and forth, that'd be incredible. Oh, I, I mean, love the way I, your brain works. I'm, I'm assuming the NX is single screen. I'm not being coy. I literally don't know. But I, right. I, based on the rumors, I, I think it is. I think it's a single like not screen. interacting screens, but if anything, maybe a mirrored think, screen if it's a handheld type of deal. But I think it's just going to be a single. I mean, from what I've heard, it's a single screen, 720p, six inch wide, or I don't know if it's diagonal or wide, but a six inch screen. Right. With, whatever the hell around it. Um, so I'm assuming that's what it is um, based on the rumors I've heard. And they seem like pretty legit rumors. Anyway, whatever. And so, do you yeah. have, we say 2017 for chicken wiggle. Do we have any, any idea of a window date? Um, no, definitely not. Okay. Dates. Um, I'm hoping it's January, but I don't know. Oh, I love you. Oh man, uh, I cannot wait. That oh, God, I'd love. I'd love it to be, be so great. I mean, yeah. If, if what, where are we? We're in we're in the middle of September. Yeah, January's maybe. January's a good maybe. I mean, that was uh, Muds came out in January in 2012, and that was a good mm-hmm. time for it to come good out. Good time. Yep. Um, so that would be really nice if Chicken Wiggle would come out in January. But uh, we'll see. I hope so. I hope so. You're just, oh, I am just in awe of you. I'm so glad that we got a chance to connect. I'm gonna, I'm yeah, gonna close it up here. Um, I can't wait to play this game, and I think, Thanks, I think dude. everybody who's listening is right on board. They're here because of you. So thank you so much. Um, one more time, or because I'll talk about it at the beginning of the show. I do kind of like the intro outro kind of deal. Okay, yeah. Say say hello to everybody, and then we'll we'll talk in with you. Where do people find you? Where do where do people find uh, Tui? What's what's the right. whole? Um, so yeah, on Twitter it's Jules Watcham. So it's J O O L S W A T S H A M. That's me on Twitter. Uh, you know, Atui dot com. So A T O O I dot com is where all of the gamey stuff is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's the main the main things. Well, I think everybody needs to go out and play chicken wiggle the day that it comes out i cannot wait man thank you so much thanks man i appreciate it it is awesome to chat with you man it's good to chat about everything and nothing (laughs) yeah exactly that's the whole thing Yeah. yeah everything and nothing yeah good stuff man holy crap can you believe it that was jules watch him he was on my podcast. That is like, I, I am truly humble. I just got to sit down and chat with the Jules Watchem. Still kind of geeking out about that a little. Geeking out. I know I'm Canadian. I, I, I get it. I say that weird. I get it. Thank you guys for checking out this episode. We're going to close things off. I know that ran a little long, but for Jules, anything goes. Um, so thank you guys for being here and hitting that subscribe button, rating us on iTunes and all of that good stuff. Uh, remember, WeTheNerdy.com hosts this beautiful podcast, so be sure to go over there for video game reviews, opinion pieces, 
Things like me talking about how Nintendo should delay the reveal of the NX. Apparently they got apparently it's happening in October. They got like 29 days or 28 days. 28 days later? Was that a thing? I don't know. So that's that's stuff that's on there. You can find out on wethenerd.com. Um next week we got another good episode coming. So be back for that for fi- episode 52. We're going to give away a couple games and announce another game giveaway. It might be right behind me. Oh, there it is. Halo the Master Chief Collection. We're going to give that away to one of you lucky folks. So we're going to get back with some uh, Q&A and all of that other good stuff. Uh, what else? What else is here? Oh, yeah. I do another show. A couple shows. Uh, subscribe to Nerdflix and Chill. It's a movie podcast on WeTheNerdy.com with me and Gary Taru. We watch a new movie in the theater review it and then we do a spoiler cast on an older movie in our dvd collection or on our netflix queue as it were so that's on itunes and google play as well as well as youtube.com slash we the nerdy so that's fun uh you can also find me on if we ran nintendo with bobby the nintendo guru pauls that's on itunes soundcloud stitcher google play and youtube.com slash nintendo guru otherwise this is episode 51 of We the Gamer Cast. It's now in your ears. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you'll be back next week because I'll be there too. And now it's time for Jason! 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 Sean, where are you? Jason! 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 Sean! 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 Jason! 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 Jason!